I've tried so many times to sit down and just tell the story that I'm about to tell you. I mean, so many times. And then stop because, well, for one thing, it's very hard to talk about because it involves my family. And another thing that stopped me is that in the small town that I'm from, everybody knows everybody. And we're pretty close-knit here. So I've stopped myself from telling this story because I felt like no matter what I say while I'm telling the story, it would feel like a slap in the face to the family of the man that made April 15, 2013, a day we'll never forget. Welcome to What the Friday, After Dark series presented by Mystery, Murder, and Magic. Listening discussion is advised. My cousin Allison, there's so many words I could use to describe her, but none of them were, would seem to do her justice. I will say, though, that she was the brightest light in our family. There was nothing that she couldn't do. She excelled on the tennis courts, she was very active in her church and in her high school marching band. And academically, she was at the top of her class. And she was so academically gifted that when she became a young mom at the age of 14, she took on more schoolwork so that she could skip a grade and graduate early. Through all of this, Allison and my daughter Courtney were more like sisters than cousins. She was just a little over a year younger than Courtney they were like peas and carrots. You didn't see one without the other. If Courtney wasn't at Allison's house, Allison was at our house. And they did typical teenage stuff together, like sleepovers, trips to Carowinds, shopping, you name it, they did it, and they did it together. And Allison's laugh, she had that infectious laugh that would flow out of Courtney's bedroom and down the hall. I'm not going to say that I didn't do my share of yelling at them to keep quiet because during that time, Nicholas was a little baby or a toddler. And at night, my concern was keeping him asleep. But that laugh, y'all, if laughter could turn on a light bulb, Allison's could power the entire Disney electric parade. Now, when Allison was a young teenager, she started dating a guy from our town named Doug. He was four years older than her, so her family wasn't overjoyed by the relationship. And I think in the beginning, it was mostly that she was so young. And you know how you think that no one is ever good enough for your child to date. But no matter what her parents did, you just couldn't really keep them apart. Outside of locking her in her room. Well, like I said, it's a small town. They went to the same school. He would sometimes come to church, and they continued seeing each other. And I can remember on a Sunday afternoon, Allison was hanging out with Courtney over here at our house when a truck pulled up in front of our house. A minute later, Allison was about to go out the front door, and I asked her where she was going, and she said that Doug was here to pick her up. I asked her if her mom said it was okay, and she said that her mom didn't know. Well, I told her that she could either call her mom and ask her if it was okay, go with Doug and I'd call her mom, 
or sit her honey down and we act like it never came about. So she opted for that last choice. And there was no way I was going to let her go with him while she was at my house, knowing how her family was trying to keep them apart, you know, and I wouldn't have wanted Courtney to leave with someone under those circumstances if that situation was reversed. Sometimes you just have to make these unpopular decisions as a parent or, you know, while you're watching somebody's kids. Now, when she was around 13, she got pregnant with, with Doug's baby and she was 14 when she gave birth. And y'all, yeah, I know that's really, really young, but she made it work. And she has an amazing family that, you know, was like, we're going to do this. And like I said, she continued to follow her dreams and she excelled in school. When after high school graduation, she was planning to attend college, but she never got to graduate. Over the next couple of years, their relationship was off and on. It wasn't a happy off and on either. Doug, I'm going to say he was a bit possessive. And sometimes that possessiveness, possessiveness brought out a mean streak. And I can't swear that he ever physically abused Allison. But I do know that there was verbal and that mental manipulation. I'm not going to go into specifics of that. But just trust me when I say that it happened. Doug didn't like when Allison would date somebody new. To him, she belonged to him. And as a podcast host, I've talked about a lot of murders. As a true crime, crime, true crime addict, I've watched a lot of the ID channel and documentaries and that type of thing. But until you personally experience the murder of a loved one up close and personal, all of that other stuff that you've seen and read or whatever just seems like fiction. And I didn't start this podcast until the end of 2020. But I have to say that Allison is a big reason why I do what I do. Victims' voices need to be heard. We need to never forget what's happened to them. So April 15, 2013 started out like any other day. When I woke up that morning, I decided I was going to clean out my closet. I had lost a lot of weight back then, and most of the clothes that was hanging in my closet was too big. As I was going through my closet, I came across a dress. If you know me, you know that I rarely wear a dress. Like, I can't even remember at this point when the last time was that I have put on a dress. But when I saw that dress, I thought to myself... I better hang on to it because I may need it for a funeral. I still have no clue why I even said that that day. Funeral, that would be a weird thing to say, but, um, and I wish I had never even said it, but those were my exact words. I hung the dress back in my closet and continued through the rest of the clothes. Well, the rest of the day was pretty normal until that evening. Around dinner time that day, um, Courtney went over to my brother's house and they decided to ride over and see what Allison was up to. And the thing you have to understand is that's my, I have a brother that's not much older than my daughter. So, um, they were pretty close to, but, um, when they got there, there was police tape keeping anyone from entering the yard. That's not something you'd normally see in our town. Courtney parked her car 
in a church parking lot that was just right up the street from Allison's house. And when she got there, a dear sweet lady from our community met Courtney and hugged her. And while she had Courtney in her arms, she whispered, she's gone. Allison's gone. I wish I could have somehow been there when that news was whispered in her ear. I was in the bathroom when Courtney came in the front door. I heard this blood-chilling wail, and I heard her collapse to the floor. All I could understand when I came into the room was, Allison's gone, Mom. Well, from the crying and her laying in this heap on the floor, I knew that Allison wasn't just gone somewhere, but that she was gone. She was taken away. When Allison's dad came in from work that afternoon, he found Allison dead in her bedroom. The official cause of death was listed as asphyxiation due to smothering. Now imagine coming home from work and finding your child dead. It's every parent's nightmare. I mean, when you left for work, your child was getting ready for school. Everything seemed almost fine. And now when you return home, your youngest child is no longer with you in the physical realm of existence. How do you even begin to process that? How do you start processing thoughts to call 911? Try to give her CPR or make your body move to even do these things. So, the day this happened, a guy that she had been dating dropped her off after school. Doug was either there watching at her house or somewhere close by. He followed her into her house, and at some point, they got into an argument. Fortunately, their baby wasn't there during any of this. And I do know that the argument started or continued in the kitchen. While in the kitchen, Doug grabbed a knife and then stabbed Allison through her back into her kidney. But I believe at that point he realized that repeatedly stabbing someone took more effort than he thought. So there was just the one stab wound. And Allison ran from the kitchen into her bedroom, and it was then and there that he suffocated Allison with her own pillowcase. On his way out of the house, he took some of Allison's mom's grandmother's jewelry to make it look like a robbery gone wrong. Now, did we know from the beginning that it was Doug that had killed her? I'd like to say no. But even though no one thought their relationship was that volatile, we had our suspicions. And I don't say that to mean, you know, any or cause any grief or hurt towards his family. I know it's not y'all's fault and y'all have hurt a lot over this too and you continue to hurt. Doug hadn't gone very far after he left Allison's house that afternoon. He literally lived only about two blocks away and naturally because he was a boyfriend or ex-boyfriend he was one of the first people that investigators talked to. Stolen jewelry was found outside of his bedroom window that same night, Doug was arrested for the murder of Allison. My usual nighttime routine was turning on the ID channel and getting in bed. 
But that night when I turned the ID channel on, I can't even remember what show it was or who the story was about, but I do remember it was about the murder of a young girl and I just couldn't watch it. I still have a hard time watching anything that deals with the death of teenagers. Um, so I turned the channel and tried to fall asleep. The next day, the church that she attended, they held this prayer service for the teenagers and pretty much anyone who wanted to attend. And I've never witnessed anything like that, that I what I saw that day. Her murder had touched everybody in our community. The kids who showed up for the service were just beside themselves. And I can remember sitting there thinking about how I wanted to hug every single one of those kids, whether I knew them or not. I just wanted to take their pain away. I mean, yeah, it's a small town and everybody knew her, but she had made a, some type of impression on everybody that, that knew her. Now, on the Thursday after her death, the visitation, or wake as some people call it, um, it was held at the church to accommodate all the people that they were expected you know, to show up. And man, did people show up. When something tragic happens. Our little town, it comes together to support each other. I'm sure that some people showed up just because they were curious or nosy, but overall, people were there to support Allison's family. It was really hard seeing that precious angel laying there in her casket. No one should ever have to endure that. A parent should not have to have their child ripped away from them like that. And that same day, the high school baseball team They had, um, they dedicated their, their game that day to Alice, and, and many of them had, like, wrapped medical tape around their wrists and written her initials, A-G-T, on that tape. And when their game was over, a bus drove them to the church, and they filed into the sanctuary, still in their dirty uniforms. And that was heartbreaking, too. And there really was nothing about any of it that wasn't heartbreaking. And I can remember on that following Friday that her funeral was held on. Um, it was such a rainy day. I mean, it poured. And it just felt like the individual drops of rain were falling harder than normal. And it was like our tears. Courtney was just so overtaken with grief that it took myself and my brother physically supporting her to get through the service. And I find that the saying, Tom heals all wounds, isn't always true. The wound that Allison's murder left on our hearts, it will never heal completely. It just has this ugly scab that on some days seems to be you know, easing up. But on most days, it oozes sadness. Douglas Eugene Inman was charged with her murder and he is serving a 30-year sentence for that charge plus another 8 years on another charge. His projected release date is July 19th, 2050. I just want to make it clear now to y'all that teenage dating violence is a serious issue in our world. We don't talk about it quite as much as domestic violence, but it's a thing and it needs to stop. February is dedicated to teenage dating violence awareness. And in the future, I'm going to be 
working more on, on some of that. But y'all don't ever think that it couldn't happen to your daughter or son. Because it can. Now, Allison's daughter is growing and thriving. She's this beautiful little girl who looks more and more like her mom as time passes. And this episode was definitely not an easy one for me. Murder is never an easy subject to talk about, but when it's one that hits so close to home, it's a different level of difficulty to say the least. And again, I'd like to say that I get asked, why do I do a podcast that centers mostly on tragedies? I'll always answer with, because every victim has a story and I'll never stop sharing those. Our sweet Allison has been missed by her family for nine years now. There's not a day that goes by that she's not on my mind. And I do believe that her spirit has visited us. My son Nick was only four when Allison died. One day, he was playing in the living room while I was cooking her lunch. And I heard him talking to someone. And at first I thought it was just little kid jabber like when they're playing. But I started listening closer and it sounded like a conversation was taking place. And I walked to the doorway that divides the kitchen and living room and I asked him who he was talking to. And without hesitation, he said it was Allison, but she had to go. And it happened twice just within a few days of each other. Did it scare him or me? Not a bit. It was actually kind of comforting to know that she's still here. Y'all, until next time, y'all have a great night and thank you for listening.